A five-year-old boy went missing 10 years ago. The following year, he was found in a suitcase on the side of a busy highway in Massachusetts. But since then, not one person had been convicted for what happened to the five-year-old little boy. How had this poor little boy ended up stuffed into a suitcase on the side of a highway? Welcome or welcome back. I'm Cassie and this is A Wicked World. Today's case is one that took place very close to home for me. I currently live in, and I was actually born in, the same city that Jeremiah lived in before he went missing, which is Fitchburg, Massachusetts. So I was able to visit some of those locations throughout Fitchburg and get some exclusive footage for you guys of where these different things happened because I figured why not. This one is also kind of similar to the Harmony Montgomery case, which oddly is also near me. This is the story of Jeremiah Oliver. Jeremiah Oliver was born on December 8th, 2008 in New Britain, Connecticut to Jose and Elsa Oliver. Jeremiah lived with his other two siblings. He was a sweet and caring boy. He loved to play toy cars and he loved playing outside. He wanted to be a police officer when he grew up and Jeremiah was also obsessed with anything Spider-Man. Jose and Elsa Oliver split up after Jeremiah was born. Elsa had primary custody of the three children, and it's said that Jose did go visit his children. That's up until 2011, when Elsa obtained a restraining order and would not respond to his request to see his children. So on September 8, 2011, the family was living in Connecticut at the time. DCF received a report with allegations of neglect of the three children, who were seven, five, and two and a half at the time. The social worker who was put on the case met with the family regularly after that. She also made referrals for services for the family. The social worker accompanied Elsa to the children's school, assisted her in making appointments for the children, helped her get the children's clothing, as well as get some new furniture for her apartment. But then in March of 2012, the social worker had to follow up on a subsequent report of neglect in the household. On January 15th, 2013, the family moved to Clarendon Street in Fitchburg, Massachusetts, and their case was transferred to the North Central Area Office, and a new social worker was assigned to the case as well. The social worker said that she read the transfer summary, but she didn't read anything else in the family's case file. The social worker supervisor said the same. The social worker was supposed to visit the home in January of 2013. However, she never made it out there. She did conduct two home visits in February of 2013. There was no home visit the following month. And then in April, during the home visit, the social worker didn't speak to the children at all. She just observed them and said that they looked clean and happy. It was during this visit that Elsa mentioned to the social worker that she might be having the kids go down to Florida to stay with her mother for the summer. Another report of suspected neglect as well as physical abuse came over to DCF in May of 2013, one of the Oliver children had reported to school staff at the Rheingold Elementary School in Fitchburg that before he had gone to school, his mother had struck him with a belt on the back, legs, and feet. A few days later, a DCF investigator met with Jeremiah as well as his mother at their apartment. Elsa told the social worker that her children were receiving services outside of the ones that DCF offered. So that's why she wasn't using the services they had offered her, you know, counseling and such. 
She also mentioned that she was trying to get a new apartment. This was May 20th, 2013. That was the last time a child protection worker saw Jeremiah Oliver. It was also in that same month, May of 2013, that Elsa got herself a new boyfriend by the name of Alberto Sierra. Alberto was 22 at the time, and he already had a history of domestic abuse. He had hit a woman as well as her son and then threatened to burn down their house. He was a real catch. In August of 2013, Elsa and her children moved to a new apartment at 276 Kimball Street. Her new boyfriend, Alberto, would move in about a month later and he would become the family's main disciplinarian. Then, on December 13th, 2013, the Massachusetts State Police, as well as the Fitchburg Police, went to the Oliver's apartment with a search warrant. Officials at Rheingold Elementary School had contacted them. They said that Jeremiah's eight-year-old sister, Juliana, had told her teacher that her and her other sibling were being abused at home. She also said at that time that she had not seen Jeremiah in a long time. The police searched the apartment as well as did interviews with the family. At that time, Elsa told police that Jeremiah was actually living in Florida with some relatives. But when police contacted these said relatives, they said that Jeremiah was not down there. And they said that the last time they had actually seen Jeremiah was September 14th, three months prior to his sister notifying her teacher. A judge ordered Elsa to produce Jeremiah in front of him within the next three days. However, after the three days on December 16th, Elsa had failed to produce Jeremiah. She was then placed under arrest and charged with two counts of reckless endangerment of a child and two counts of being an accessory after a felony. Alberto was arrested and charged with two counts of assault and battery with a dangerous weapon, which was a knife, and two counts of and battery on a child, which resulted in bodily harm. Alberto is said to have charged and attacked Jeremiah and one of his siblings with a knife. Jeremiah's other two siblings that were in Elsa's custody were at this point taken into Child Protective Services custody. The police were now treating this as a homicide. A search started for Jeremiah. The community came together and more than anything, they wanted to find Jeremiah alive. They searched everywhere. They waded through the Nashua River. They went knee deep in snow. They looked far and wide for Jeremiah and came up with nothing for months on end. While the search went on, neighbors of Jeremiah's family at the Kimball Street apartment recounted how they frequently saw Jeremiah getting on and off of the school bus. They said he always seemed happy. However, his mother Elsa did not. It seemed like Elsa was always sad and she thought that it was very weird that she had put black trash bags over all her windows. I'd be sad too if I was such a shitty person like her. As the search continued, there was still nothing found. That's until the beginning of the following year, in April of 2014. There was a tip received from an inmate at the Worcester County Jail telling officers about the location of Jeremiah's body. So on that same day, April 18th, police pulled over to the side of Highway 190 in Sterling, Massachusetts. About 40 feet back from the busy highway, there was a suitcase discovered. It wasn't visible to the thousands of passerbys every day. It was partially hidden in the tall grass off to the side of the highway. 
When police opened up the suitcase, little Jeremiah's body was found all wrapped up in a blanket. In that exact spot that Jeremiah's body was found now stands a blue cross in memory of him. The night after Jeremiah's body was found, the community held a candlelit vigil in front of the family's apartment on Kimball Street. Hundreds came and left flowers, balloons, and stuffed animals for him. The community was devastated that Jeremiah was not found alive. The little boy's funeral was held on May 3, 2014 at the Rollstone Congregational Church in downtown Fitchburg. Between three and 400 mourners came to say goodbye to Jeremiah. Jeremiah's biological father, Jose Oliver, gave a tearful speech in front of the church. He asked his son for forgiveness for not being there for him. And he also praised his daughter, Juliana, for being Jeremiah's hero. Members of Jeremiah's family wore royal blue sweatshirts and t-shirts with hashtag Team Jeremiah on them. From there, Jeremiah was taken to the Hope Memorial Cemetery in Worcester, Massachusetts, which is about 20 minutes from the church that his services were held at. There was even a fourth grader from one of the Fitchburg Elementary Schools that didn't know Jeremiah, but was so saddened by his story that she wanted to help out in any way that she could. The little girl wrote a song and paired it with music that was performed by her older cousin. They then put this song on CD and sold it via word of mouth and Facebook to raise money. They raised $867 from this to be donated to the funeral home for Jeremiah's services. Any money that was raised from it after Jeremiah's funeral went towards his siblings trust fund as well as the granite bench memorial that they put in at Cogsall Park in Fitchburg. So after Jeremiah's body was found, the community got together and raised enough money to have a bench built in memory of Jeremiah Oliver. There was a dedication ceremony done on the day that the new bench was revealed. It was placed inside the children's playground here at Cogsall Park, where it remains to this day. Jose Oliver had actually petitioned for the custody of his other two children about a month after Elsa had failed to produce Jeremiah in court. He said, don't judge me by my past. I can be a father to my children. He was then arrested just a few days later on charges of trying to heroin. The two children went to foster care. Elsa and Alberto were indicted in 2014 on charges of kidnapping, and battery with a dangerous weapon, and reckless endangerment. They both pleaded not guilty. The Fitchburg police started questioning local tattoo artists as they had seen that Elsa had recently gotten a new butterfly tattoo with the date of September 25th, 2013 on it, which was very close to the last day that Jeremiah's extended family said they had seen him. So they were curious if she had told any local tattoo artist what the significance of that date was. However, after asking multiple tattoo shops in the area, police were not able to come up with anything. It was not until February of 2016, almost two years later, that Jeremiah's death was finally ruled a homicide. The Office of the Chief Medical Examiner determined that Jeremiah's cause of death was homicidal violence, but he was unable to determine exactly what that entailed. Elsa Oliver pleaded guilty to charges of child battery and reckless endangerment of a child. In August of 2017, she was sentenced to seven and a half years in prison. Prior to her sentencing, Alberto was handed down a sentence as well. 
he was to serve six to seven years for assaulting Elsa as well as Jeremiah's siblings. He had also faced charges of kidnapping and assault of Jeremiah. However, the prosecutors dropped these charges, but for a good reason. It was so that double jeopardy would not prevent any further prosecution for murder charge. Elsa's friend, Kaylee Tybalt, was also sentenced in December of 2018 for lying to police during an investigation. Phone records showed that she had committed perjury in front of a grand jury. She was given one year of probation. Christian Sierra, Alberto's brother, also pleaded guilty to the same charges a few months later. He was sentenced to two and a half years in jail, but only served 135 days. The charges of both of them reportedly center around attempts to hide communication between Elsa and Alberto months after Jeremiah was last seen. The Child Welfare League of America investigated DCF in regards to Jeremiah's disappearance and subsequent death. They said while there is significant evidence that some DCF staff did not do their job, there is not evidence that DCF's actions and failures caused Jeremiah's death. Several of the DCF workers that were assigned to Jeremiah's case were fired. After it was revealed, there was many missed visits and appointments. The social worker assigned to his case had actually missed eight monthly mandatory visits to the family. In Massachusetts, with an open case, they have to do a house visit once a month. And they missed them, as I said, eight different times. Usually it's the family. This time, it was the DCF worker that missed them. This supposedly led to operational changes at DCF, as well as the firing of his social worker, two supervisors, and the resignation of the DCF commissioner at the time. There were, however, no criminal charges brought up against any DCF worker. What else is new? There were three other child deaths in central Massachusetts in the three years prior to Jeremiah's disappearance, who were either receiving services or in DCF's custody at the time. There were also two other children that were seriously injured. Both Alberto Sierra and Elsa Oliver were released from prison in 2020. They had both received credit for their prison time due to their guilty pleas. Alberto was a free man for almost three years before they finally arrested him on May 18th of this year, 2023. At the time of his arrest, Alberto was living with his father. His father said that he was in a new relationship that was very healthy and had none of the toxic traits tied to his last relationships. Okay. Which doesn't explain why he also currently had four restraining orders out against him as of May 18th. Hmm. Alberto was indicted by a grand jury on one charge of murder and another charge of disintering a body, which is digging it up. Alberto, of course, pled not guilty to both charges. Alberto Sierra's defense attorney asked that his bail set to be no more than $20,000. She said that he had rheumatoid arthritis and was part of a clinical trial, so she said he was not going to be able to get access to his medications. The judge said that while she understood the seriousness of his medical condition, she also knew that he would absolutely be able to receive his medication at a correctional facility. Therefore, she said, no bail. That same day, more of Jeremiah's story was finally revealed. When he died, five-year-old Jeremiah was just trying to protect his mother. His mother that was so awful to him that hurt him. 
He died trying to protect her. Mm. Elsa had just been headbutted by Alberto. She was bleeding and went to the bathroom to clean herself up. During that time, Jeremiah ran out of the kitchen closet. The closet that he had been living and sleeping in, thanks to Alberto. He yelled, don't touch my mommy, before Alberto grabbed him by the head and slammed little Jeremiah's body down onto the hard tiled kitchen floor. After that, he was no longer moving. Alberto took his body and put him back into the kitchen closet. The next day when Elsa and Alberto looked into the closet, Jeremiah was still not moving or breathing at this point. They placed his body in a suitcase and buried him. They would then move his body around. Every single time that Alberto would get nervous that the police were going to find him or somebody that was out searching for him was going to find the body, he would dig it up and move it again. Witnesses also told investigators that they had heard Alberto say things such as that he had smacked Jeremiah around. And the reason why he had such a bad relationship with Jeremiah is because Jeremiah would hurt things around the house. So things are more important to Alberto than human life. Yeah, yeah. There is no information yet as to how the suitcase with Jeremiah's body in it made its way to Route 190 in Sterling. But this case is definitely one I will be keeping an eye on as more updates come in, especially since it's so local. I honestly cannot believe that I missed the updates until now, two months later. I didn't even realize that they had arrested him. I don't read the paper enough, I guess. So finally, after 10 years, little Jeremiah is finally going to be getting some justice. His monster is no longer out on the streets walking free. He's finally paying for what he did. And once his trial comes around, Hopefully he's sentenced to life. Sorry guys, no death penalty here in Massachusetts. If you guys enjoyed my on location videos this time, please let me know because I'd love to do them again in the future. And if you wanna hear more true crime stories from me each week, don't forget to subscribe below. And if you feel like it, give this video a like. Until next time, thanks for watching A Wicked World. Take care guys, bye.